welcome to more to come pw comic world's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing uh reported recorded once again at various places of shelters around new york city i'm calvin reed senior news editor publishers weekly editor of pw comics world and editor of the fanatic pw's comics and pop culture newsletter check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash Comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, the news blog of comics culture. You can find us on so, uh, Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on social media, uh, uh, Facebook uh, specifically. Uh we're at Facebook.com slash PW Comics World. And don't forget, you can leave us a, a note or, a, you know, slip something under our door, like a there note under our door or a rating. Uh, honestly, give us a rating. Give us a comment. Go online. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or uh, Spotify. Are we on Spotify? Um, No. We we're should not. be. Well, let's get I on know. that. I know. Really, it's really annoying. We're on We're on some other platforms, but we're not on Spotify. I said that interesting. So, listeners, as yeah. you can hear, but leave us a comment. And you can probably yeah. hear, as Calvin, Kate, and I uh, are in our ninth month. Uh, I mean, you all are. You're all we, in your ninth are month. We about to ninth month. You're about to have the baby. <laughs> Could have had the baby. Would have been amazing. But, um. <laughs> Uh, so, and you can hear, we're, we're, we're slipping a little. <laughs> well, actually, we, we give a baby every week on this show, but yes, anyway, that's a whole other story. But no, I'm just saying, we're all slipping a little bit. Our concentration is slipping. A little bit. All right. Listeners, listeners, it's not the same without the PW offices. We it's like sitting in a room together. We're like, yes, it's much better. I like better. human beings. I like yeah, human beings. I don't, I, I don't. I'm sure uh, our listeners uh, have similar complaints about the world that they're living in right yes. now, too. And so, so anyway, this week on More to Come, the end of DC Comics, and we're going to put a question mark at the end of that for now. Um, the fate of Wonder Woman 1984. Other industry changes, and there are a few. Uh, uh, Webtoon Studios launches, and let's talk comics uh what in the heck is going on at dc comics um well he said there was another bloodbath in the well, you guys i kept warning you remember yeah. and we didn't doubt it no you know we you didn't, didn't doubt, doubt it. it you was like you know did you ever see chernobyl have you guys seen that miniseries chernobyl so good oh I well I know of it. Oh, it's, well, just side note, it's one of the best. I'm guessing it's about Chernobyl. It is about Chernobyl, but to explain with radiation poisoning, like you get sick, and then you have this. You all of a sudden you feel better, you feel fine, you feel great, and uh, and then it starts to just rot your whole body. Your body just starts to decay and decompose. So I feel like you know, like the last time when you, you guys were talking about future state, you were like, oh, it sounds great. You know, oh, I love the sound of this. Well, this you know, it good. sounded like you know they had a baby, but really, this this this. The second wave, uh, an ominous term that we're hearing quite a bit mm. in other areas. Uh, this is really devastating. Um, uh, I sort of duck and dodge the doomsday scenario about around the conventional comics industry. Um, but you know, look, I don't work in it. Um, and it becomes very worrisome to see how 
they can grow or continue to deliver well, what, what you expect. Well, let's, let's rewind a little bit, let's, Calvin, let's, yeah, and let's tell our listeners exactly what happened. Okay, so, you know, this all started just 10 days ago as you're listening to this. Well, like 12 days ago. So on Monday of last week, I guess that was like the 10th or something. That was maybe the 9th. Um, there was great rejoicing because they announced that Marie Javins, the incredibly popular and incredibly well-respected, yes. uh, you know, she had been executive editor of New Development or something like that, but she had been named sole editor-in-chief. You know, at a, somebody pointed out she's not the first woman editor-in-chief at D.C. because Jeanette Kahn actually had that title way ah, back in the day. You so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a legacy. But she's certainly uh, a lot more hands-on than Jeanette was, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but Marie is, uh, you know, everybody who knows Marie really respects her. Uh, the books that she has her name on as editor that she's developed over the last, you know, she's been in D.C. for about five years are awesome. Like, you know, Snagglepuss is one of hers. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she worked on uh, Sh- Shattered Glass, the Harley Quinn graphic novel. I mean, it's just honestly, like, if you look at a book that has Marie's name on it as editor, there's not a lot of stinkers there. So that was great. That was Monday. But, um... And everybody, you know, there was outpouring of love for Marie because she is beloved. Uh, and then I, you know, in my story, I was like, oh, I wonder what happened to Michelle Wells. Now, yeah. you guys remember? Do you guys remember, Calvin? Well, I, I remember at one point uh, it, it, she was, you know, what, co-editor-in-chief with, you know, with Javins. Yes. But uh, that has changed. Yes, it has. But, uh, yeah, that was so back in August there was a big bloodletting, a bloodbath. It was at DC. It was also at Warner Media. Uh, you know, there was layoffs throughout the entire company, and uh, but they said as many as twenty to twenty-five percent were laid off, and um, so and then Javins and Michelle Wells were named as kind of co-editor in chief, which is a common Warner Brothers thing to let people slug it out. So anyway, I was like, huh, I wonder what happened to Michelle Wells. Uh, so the next day, we found out. Um, there was more layoffs, and among them Wells, uh, yeah. among them Alex Carr, who was another editor who uh, had kind of come in. He used to be on Amazon. Remember he did the Amazon science fiction line of comics there? Oh, oh really? That Jet yeah. City thing? Yeah, he did Jet City, yeah. And mm-hmm. then he'd also worked on the um, on the uh, kids, very successful. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the one that really... Got it. Got everybody was um, that they that the the part of the direct sales team that they didn't lay off the last time, which included Jim Sokolowski mm-hmm. and Jonah Wylan, the head of marketing, and uh, Vince Loterio, a thirty year DC veteran. Uh, they laid off this time, including Adam Phillips, Stuart Shrek, Fletcher Chu Fong. Um, I mean, you can't find three more beloved people in the industry. I, I, they are DC. They're, they're not only DC comics; they're like comics. I mean, these guys run the DC booth, which, as you know, when there was a DC booth, was like the heart and soul of Comic Con, of New York Comic Con. I mean, they're just, you know, industry mainstays, and uh, now they are industry casualties. not casualties. Yeah. So, and then. It's like, I mean, I've asked the people, is there anyone left in the direct sales market? Because uh, you know, there's one person who always stood shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with Vince and Fletcher and Adam yeah. at shows. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Matt Keller. 
And then I, I, I did ask a complete list. So what happened to Matt Keller? Surely he was laid off as well. And they're like, no. And then I looked and I saw that his, um, title involved like, uh, bookstores mm-hmm. and he was not laid off. And mm. only the people who worked on the direct sales market were laid off. So this mm. seems a pretty targeted, uh, yes. uh, a move to destroy DC's presence uh, in the direct market. How are you going to sell the direct market if you don't have anybody who knows how to? Well, Nancy Spears is still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's no staff. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, that's why I say, I mean, this, I mean, I, you know, I sort of, I mean, I don't discount, uh, the, the many doomsday scenarios around DC we've been hearing for a few years now, but this is the closest where I, you know, I, I'm feeling like this is, uh, a, uh, a pretty extreme and desperate time. We're on the so, verge of something so, cataclysmic in this business. So I have a question, first off. When there was a co-editor announced and then like a week later she's no longer attached to DC, do you think it's like a right hand not knowing what the left hand's doing or did they change their mind or what do you think's going on there? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you what I think of that actually. Uh, Warner Brothers has a history of setting up these competitions. They do it all the time. They did it like about 10 years ago, eight years ago, uh, when I, I forget the name, but the big head honcho at Warner Brothers stepped down. It was like, who would replace him? Uh, the head of this, uh, Terry, Terry somebody. Anyway, it was a huge, huge, huge deal. And, um, he stepped down and now who would replace him? So they named three people, Jeff Robinov, Kevin Sujahara, and one other guy. To be like co-leads and then like, you know, Robinoff mm-hmm. won because he was the most, uh, well, no, he had to leave. It was Kevin Sujahara. So mm. that's a very common Warner Brothers thing where they set people up in competition and see who wins, you know? Okay. So, I mean, uh, you wouldn't think that Marie is, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say Marie's cutthroat, but, uh, you know, she's a survivor. She's been around the world twice traveling without airplanes. So, you know, she's, not, mm. I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say she's a survivor. Yeah. She's literally a survivor. <laughs> yeah. Well, well anyway, that, you know, I don't, in this I, case, I, that's for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I've talked to a few people, you know, and I, in a horrible irony. So this happened on last Monday, mm. and that Friday was the last day of everybody who got laid off. Yeah, no. right. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's just, of course, it's all virtual, so it's not quite as painful. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just think, I just think Pam Lifford hates the direct market. That's as simple as that. She thinks it's not necessary. And you know, Calvin, one thing that we heard, uh, at Milton's, the ICV2 white paper talk is that, uh, you know, comics are doing better in mass market. And so DC seems to want to, um, concentrate on mass market and bookstores. And, um, you know what I think? I think that's a horrible mistake. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, just referring back to Brian's article, I mean, obviously, oh, these so just, to just to yeah. set this up, uh, Brian Hibbs, yeah, uh, yeah. my yeah. columnist at the beat, who's uh, been on hiatus after recovering from a near fatal yeah, heart attack. I, I was stunned. Uh, he came back and wrote a 4,000 word piece called the last days. So anyway, Calvin, go on. I'm sorry. Just setting it, setting you up. Uh, well, refer- yes. <laughs> well, referring back to, um, 
to his uh, now I've kind of lost my I've kind of lost my train of thought in here. Sorry. Um, um, uh, Brian was uh, basically talking about. Uh, help me out here. I've lost my train of thought. Oh, well, I mean, he, he just, you know, was running over the whole thing and just talking about, you know, all the, the weaknesses of, of, you know, like how vulnerable this lefty see in the direct market. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the things, so many, so much of what he wrote about in this piece, we've talked about many times before. Um, uh, I mean, Brian, Brian kind of, Set up the the problems that are going on the the, the problems that the direct market faces, uh, and contrasting it with the book market. But uh, I, I mean, it's the the the, the pro, Brian's a very passionate and precise writer about this industry. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, he knows how, how, how business is conducted and how to make money and not to make money. The problem, I think, uh, or what I get out of his article is that he, he's outlined kind of the, 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 the end of the direct market in some ways. It's very hard to see how the business practices of the past are going to continue into the future, even as he laments that they're not supporting the direct market. And I get that because they aren't. He even talks about how supposedly, you know, <coughs> DC makes more money in the direct market. Although I question some of his numbers. I do there. too. I do too. He but a lot of numbers off of the book side. That's still DC revenue. But, but, but Calvin is you and I, I, I probably said this about a thousand times on this, on this podcast. How many episodes are we up to? Um, how many episodes are we up to? Uh, over 400. 400. Yeah. So I guess I've said it 400, 500 times. Um, uh, if you went to anyone, any book publisher and conventional book publisher and said, hey, how would you like a dedicated network of 2,000 stores that buys your product on a non-returnable basis that's dedicated to selling your books? How would you like that? Everyone would- yes. Well, they might, they might not. I mean, this is a thing. I understand when you when you give a schematic of the direct market like that, it seems attractive. But the problem is, they have a very narrow product base. Um, the uh, the format is uh, problematic, as we talked about ourselves. I mean, selling periodical comics is become a quirky specialty. Um, uh, b- books are growing. Once again, I you know I I don't doubt that the, the direct market provides a lot more revenue on the periodical side to DC, but it's a quirky and demanding uh, to some people uh, yeah. format. No, yeah, no, I, of course. No, okay, but, I'm sorry. But for DC, it, it does make it makes a profit. It makes a small profit, but it still makes a profit. And I do think. I do think backing a hundred percent out of the de- out of the direct market, as opposed to merely cutting back, could could bite them in the long term when it comes to their audience base. Well, I look. There, but, a, go on, Kate. I'm sorry. Um, well, you know, I mean, while it's definitely it it takes effort and it takes all the knowledge. And craft that the the comics industry has put into it since the seventies. Um, 
comic shops have been a quirky niche market since the 70s, and comics have survived. And sales have actually done pretty well, aside from, you know, blips along the way. And, you know, it, it builds... It builds that dedicated audience, and I think completely backing away from that audience as opposed to maybe just cutting down, not putting out 45 titles, uh, I don't know, seems a little short-sighted. So, well, honestly, honestly, uh, 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 the parent company, they, they don't really care about those numbers. Those numbers are tiny. Uh, publisher Publishing entities that are taken over by multimedia companies, they have no clout. Um, except in terms of how their, their IP can be used. So that's really what, I mean, DC is. I don't think that they're going to get out of print com- completely, but it's clear they don't have any confidence in the Well, they're market. not, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, just to throw in a couple of other things. You know, Brian's last line, our next, you know, his last paragraph is that he expects to see DC not publishing comics and licensing out all their books. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. they might license out their periodicals. But they probably will. They, they don't show any signs of pulling out of the YA market, okay? Um, uh, yeah, but they, it's a but little if bit. They, if they license out their th- periodicals and they license out their main line, that's basically DC throwing in the towel. I mean, even if DC, it'll be a completely different company if it's just a company that makes YA. Well, I think that they may continue to do some adult stuff of some kind, but I mean, uh, I mean, the thing is that they're not. What they're saying it to me here is that they don't really care whether they sell through the direct market or not. Yes, that's what I. Yes, yes, that's that's what they're saying here. They want to sell something, but they whether it goes through the direct market, they don't really care. Now, I don't think they're going to just pull out, but but that's what maybe may be the practical effect of what they have done so far because it's hard to imagine how they can I mean if you read the rest of Brian's piece I mean he's he talks about just how you know they you know they're abandoning all of the these various ways that the retailing industry and the direct market communicates with each other how they get their orders across how they understand what they've sold all of that technology they're just dc's just abandoning it or, or rather the parent company is abandoning yeah because you know just to put this into a larger context you know once again there was a lot of layoffs across mm. warner media on on the day that that um dc had more layoffs and, you know this was the top headline in all the trades that morning was that warner media was expecting layoffs so it wasn't not just dc it was and you know this is a lot of it to do with the pandemic so um yeah. you know we might not see this, you know, total decimation of of DC's direct sales market, but uh, but we might we might be seeing it no matter what, you know, um, you know, Fletcher Chufong, uh, there's not a more beloved person in the industry than Fletch. Uh, he is just a friend to all, friend, just a friend to all. That's it. Uh, you know, he ran their conventions, and guess what? There aren't any conventions. So, you know, I get it. I get some of it, but um. Look, I, 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 I think that Pam Lifford and whoever else is running DC has a very, which is a big question, uh, has a very different view. You know, she comes from Disney. She wants to turn Disney into DC. And, uh, I don't think that will work for many reasons that, uh, you know, doesn't turn DC into Disney, pardon me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, won't work for many, many reasons. Uh, most of all because DC has amazing characters that are still having stories told at uh, Disney in ways that Disney does not. 
and uh, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's so, it's the way an executive might think, but it's yeah. uh, it's not that great. However, it's, it's, you think is you the think direct the market is, the new is the direct market the new newsstand market? Well, for no. DC maybe, but it's not going to. You know, this isn't. I mean, kill is the it direct- dying? I mean, is no, it spiraling down? No. No, DC, I've talked to plenty of people. If DC cuts their output the way it looks, that's not going to kill the direct market. Not at all. Nope, it's not going to kill it. No. Now, you know, Marvel was, no, because well, I, I mean, DC is a certain percentage, but I do think no, no retailer I've talked to thinks this will, you know, even Brian didn't say that. Did you notice that? Well, he did kind of say that. I mean, what's he saying? To, well, no, he didn't really say that, but he did. He doesn't have too much. He isn't too uh, uh, um, optimistic about the future. Mostly, he was dire about DC. Mostly, he was. Yes, he, you know, he was had dire warnings about DC's future. Yeah, but uh, he, but he doesn't say the direct market's going to die. Well, he didn't say it's going to die, but he describes a fairly wounded channel in almost every way. I mean, he, he all he. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he talked about all of the things that. Um, well. That DC will no longer support. Now that's not going to kill the direct market, but he didn't write about it in a way that seemed very uh, optimistic. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get that out of it, uh, but you know, uh, maybe just the overall. Maybe, well, I was the I also <laughs> edited, so I read it. I did, uh, re- you know, read it for different different way than you did. So you might have seen. Well, might... I may be over it because I found it, you know, a, a pretty gloomy article. I mean, not gloomy. In in the exaggerated way, just to kind of like, this is what we're up against, folks. And I thought it was what Brian usually does. He like no nonsense, no BS. Uh, the threats that the retailers are facing are really real. They're difficult to overcome. And so I, I maybe I uh, I've added a layer of gloom to it that maybe he would wasn't there. But it, it's not an optimistic piece to me. Well, I think you know I'm going to read the last uh, the last paragraph. Um, yeah. Uh, I sincerely hope that the other market participants, my fellow retailers in Diamond and Soft, are making strong plans for a future without DC Comics. I can't see how any other result is likely. So, I, I mean, I do think that's a warning, but I, I but I, I, listen, I'm not, everybody has been seeing this high and running on the wall ever since they started this distribution business back in, you know, post-COVID in what April was, and May. I mean, what, I mean, I'm sort of curious by the business behind all this. Is it just that they've had COVID layoffs? And is that all this is or like what was the benefit to them if they were going to pull out anyway of pulling this whole distribute distribution dosi do like <laughs> I think, what's all this I, about i think it's like people who get a divorce after they're forced to quarantine together you know it might have <laughs> happened uh, much more slowly but uh you know covid made it happen quickly i think this has been a plan this was the plan for a while and i think covid gave them perfect cover to Execute it, and I do mean execute it. It's it's an odd play because I mean retailers don't seem to be too happy with this. Um, <laughs> if you're the vendors for your product don't like your supply chain, that's usually not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, he 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 gave a long list. Now I heard some retailers talk about some of the problems, and we talked about it on the show. But he seemed to, to give an even longer list, a more detailed list of problems uh, with these distributors. And, of course, yeah. one of them is backed out of it now. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing I've heard, and, and this is, 
I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So just two things, okay? Before I get into that, I just want to throw one little lifeline out there. So I have heard, I mean, everybody loves Marie. So this has got the editorial department. Uh, you know, they also have pretty, well, they haven't got rid of all the old timers, but it's a pretty young staff in editorial. Uh, a lot of them were trained by Marie. Uh, they are not, uh, your father's comics. So, you know, they're pretty forward looking. So that's good. Um, I've heard that, uh, you know, this mysterious general manager dude, Daniel Cherry the third, uh, I've heard he's okay. okay. Uh, not too much known about him, but he seems, I've heard he's a calming influence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Lee's a calming influence. Um, mm-hmm. so you have a pretty stable, uh, sober, uh, trio at DC right now with Marie, Jim Lee, and this Daniel Cherry fellow. So that's good. And I've also heard that there could be, you know, uh, it's not over till the fat lady sings. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Are they remaking DC Comics or are they embalming well, DC well, Comics? Well, no, yeah. because because Brian talks a little bit, a lot about how they're going into digital and they're going into these anthologies. Well, he doesn't like market. any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. He hates it all. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point. He doesn't think it really makes any money. Now, he—that's my Who point. Knows? That's why I, 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 I come away from the, with the gloomy uh, point of view on this because I, the direct market, I, and I agree, it's going to stay here because I see these stores, especially bookstores, and they will adapt. Mm-hmm. But they may be adapting with a lot less periodical comics. Uh, in their inventory. I mean, yeah. if these kinds of things are coming up uh, with uh, DC and its mega platform parent company, uh, isn't this going to come up with Marvel at some point too? So, well, okay, we also had Marvel uh, on our list here, stories, and you know they had some layoffs as well. They furloughed a bunch of people back in May, uh, and then they furloughed um, some. They, they laid them off. Uh, not too many people are known. One of them is Judy Stevens. She's a very popular person, uh, and also John Nee, who was the publisher. Yes, of course, so that's yes. a bit of a shocker. Uh, but you know, John is the super survivor. Yeah. Uh, so he'll he's super knowledgeable oh, about everything, everywhere. So he'll be fine. Um, but um, uh, so you know, the difference with Marvel, a lot of a lot of people have asked me this. I've talked to a lot of people about it in the last few days. Um, I think there's two differences with Marvel. Number one, uh, they already were stripped down to the bone. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're very, very cheap, thrifty. You know, they have to right. make money. So they, they're already kind of, um, you know, like, like, like DC, DC had a huge staff, you guys. Right. I mean, right. yeah. Um, and um, the other thing about Marvel is that it seems like Kevin Feige likes the fact that there's a Marvel comics, you know, and, well, and he's and he is well, technically the, over them. So I, I uh, think they have kind of, you know, I mean, if, if, if they were supposed to lay off half the company at Disney, which they haven't done yet, uh, and they said, oh, Marvel comics has got to go. I mean, Kevin Feige couldn't say no, but I, I don't know. It's just uh, just the yeah, way Disney he would works fight for them. Well, there seems to somehow be a more successful, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, uh, link and symbiotic relationship between the Marvel Comics or the corpus of Marvel Mm -hmm. Comics across its decades and the movies. 
Uh, it just Absolutely. seems to be less of a, I mean, the DC, it, it just seems to be, uh, always kind of an awkward, uh, um, uh, transfer between the, the DC comics and the DC movies. So, I, yeah. I think it's because with DC, it's grafted on. And with Marvel, it came from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Marvel movies was created originally by Marvel Comics, and even mm-hmm. though now it has been taken over by Disney, it's still an entity that came out of Marvel Comics, mm. as opposed to sort of something outside created by basically committee by a bunch of people who don't really understand comics. Uh, well, that's for sure. That's for sure. And I think DC's situation—that's uh, what they're facing here. They're facing a corporate culture. They really—I mean, I don't think they want to get rid of comics, but they really don't see any commitment to the business as it's been done. Yeah. No, but I—I I do think that this idea is. Um, uh, I think the idea will get some pushback from some people, uh, at War Media. Uh, you know, look, you know, we have another story on here about the Wonder Woman movie. You know, I mean, the, the, the movie studios are in terrible shape right now. You know, mm. talk about losing your distribution. You know, there's no movie mm. theaters. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has been moved, uh, to, it's gonna come out on HBO Max on Christmas mm-hmm. Day. And, uh, I think probably back in the day I might have mentioned on here, this was the movie I was so looking forward to. Every time I saw that, that trailer. I, I know, I was crying with joy. <laughs> I wanted to Well, come I think we're still theater. looking forward to it. Know, but I'd but rather see it. I mean, I'd rather see it on a big screen, but, I um. To see it in the theater. Well, I do wonder if the movie theaters, when they reopen for real, will take some of the would-be blockbusters of the past year and run them for even just like a week special run. I'm sure they will. Absolutely. I think so too. Of course I think they there'll will. be huge demand. When people feel safe to go into movie theaters again, I think they're going to run back a whole bunch of movies uh, because there'll be money to be made. Yes, yes. And I will go see, well, I will, you know. And they'll run them through. And it's, you know, particularly galling because there's, Kate, as you know, because there's so much, oh, could Wonder Woman make it in the theaters? You know, this was going to be the biggest blockbuster of them all, you know, made by a woman. Yeah, and now that it's gotten stymied, it's just, you know, it's painful to see. It's a heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker. It's a heart. It's less of a heartbreaker than this. It's less of a heartbreaker than it would be had this been. The first Wonder Woman movie, yes, yes, where it would have killed the franchise in its cradle. But even yeah. so, it's still not great. Yeah, it's still not great. But hey, the, the what I guess the point that I'm circling here is that DC's IP is incredibly important to Warner Media. Okay, and the reality is they borrow from the comics all the time. Yes, and anyone who thinks that cutting off the comics as a source of IP and inspiration is a good idea, is a dimwit. Are, are they, are they, do you think AT&T is trying to set DC up as a sort of uh, high-end platinum? What was that crazy yeah. um, uh, uh, IP farm back in the day? Um, yeah, platinum. Yeah, they're platinum. still around, actually. They mm-hmm. just signed a deal with somebody. Uh, I forget. They, they kept – I haven't run the story. But, yeah, yes, no IP. You know, what no, is IP can never die, as they said on Game right. of Thrones. But no, because they don't seem, uh, I mean, they don't, 
well, they they seem to be interested in the book side to a to a degree, um, but it does. I mean, but print is you know clearly not their thing. But uh, but I don't think they're going to abandon print. But clearly, they. Are, I mean, as I said before, are they uh, remaking the company or embalming it? Or do they are they do they think that they're creating a new kind of comics company or what? Uh, it's, it's yeah, very I don't I don't really understand. Aside from just like desperation and COVID layoffs, what the business upside to this is? Well, I mean, if, if you if uh, I would say at this point, I just think that they're trying to come up with if, uh, with a reimagination of what a modern uh, mainstream so-called superhero comic book company will look like, and it'll have some digital, it'll have some print, it'll have some book, it'll be a more a little more focused on the book uh, market than necessarily on the direct market. I mean, it's easy to sort of project this, but can, you know, DC pull it off? Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to alienate a huge part of the, you know, the periodical crowd. Well, I, I will, I will say this, uh, and then we should probably move on, but, uh, yeah. you know, after yeah. we get our final thoughts in, but, yes. um, uh, this is all part of the larger crisis at AT&T. And even without COVID, AT&T would be borked. I don't know what the word we can use on the podcast. <laughs> well, they've got a lot of debt. They would be debt. screwed, screwed, because they have $144 billion in debt, okay? Yeah, so. And they launched, I've said, okay, I probably have only said this 200 times, they launched HBO Max, a streaming channel, during a quarantine when everyone was literally, I think they launched it in May, when pretty much everyone was stuck at home, like and it. it and it's still a flop. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Is they it gave really? it a lot of thought. That's crazy. How could you know? You've got a captive audience. Well, they <laughs> fired everybody behind the launch. Those yeah. people also like get, got let go. So anyway, you know, yeah. so anyway. COVID is not to blame for HBO Max's terrible launch, right? Um, but, um, Anyway, AT&T's got bigger and bigger problems. So, you know, there could be, uh, you know, my my fondest prognostication, which isn't really backed up by anyone I've talked to, but uh, is that maybe in the greater scheme of uh, whirlwind, you know, destruction at AT&T, WarnerMedia, that perhaps, you know, with this calmer, more, uh, you know, under the radar leadership uh, that uh, you know will be passed over. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just said to, to jump back one more thing. I mean, Brian goes into great detail about comparing the the, the direct market and the book market, and 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 his his uh, his his outline of both markets is, is very good uh, with the perspective of of a real businessman and a, a real retailer. I should say just to jump in on the book market side. Um, because he's, you know, he talks a lot about earning out. All of what he says is absolutely accurate. Um, uh, the book market, I don't think people are presenting the book market as some sort of like ideal, uh, it's, uh, it's different than the direct market. Uh, I do think, uh, that, uh, even though you're, ne- you're you aren't necessarily going to get rich, uh, <laughs> you, it, the book market does Hold, I think, a little more ability for you to control your content, make some money, and move through your career. I think ideally we would have both sides, the book market and the direct market side, uh, to offer uh, offer artists, you know, options for their careers. But the book market, 
uh, really is, I think, just the key to artists moving forward in this day and age. Uh, you control your copyrights. You do get advances. You, you know, most books do not earn out their advances. That's yeah, that's how it works. Uh, but you know, there's a lot more cartoonists making a, a real wage um, working in the book trade than ever before, and yeah. it's only going to keep growing. Yeah, but uh, you, you know, the writing of comics for DC was a uh, you know the money spout as well for a while. Um, uh, you know what though, uh, Doug Kate, I'm gonna you know you should yeah, have we should probably here. On but it, I have yeah. one more. I have one last. Okay, mm-hmm. just to go back to what I said before. Uh, hey, guess what? The bookstore market isn't doing that great either. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Indie bookstores are struggling. Bookstores well, are struggling. Bookstores are, I mean, are, during COVID, during COVID, I'm just saying yeah. right now, bookstores, bookstores are suffering. Are struggling yeah. are suffering during COVID. Okay. But hey, book sales are not. Necessary. Well, Calvin, let me, let me finish. <laughs> okay. Then you can let me finish. Okay. Just, go for it. Okay. Bookstores are, you know, uh, absolutely in jeopardy. Movie theaters are in jeopardy. Sure. Uh, and co- comic shops. However, guess what? They've come through pretty well, and absolutely, book sales are up. Comic sales have soared. So I'm just saying, yeah. you know, with all bookstores in jeopardy right now, why on earth would you cut off this potential market that's growing and getting more and more better retailers who are forward-looking and want to sell a variety of materials? Why on earth would you cut that off? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, no, although, you know, really – if it, 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 I mean, I was over reading in, in Brian's piece about the, the, you know, the future of the direct market, but I mean, really, it seems to me he's talking about the future of the, of the format of the periodical. Well, yes, the fate of the floppy, yes. Yeah, which is, a, a, you know, a familiar theme on the show. All right. Okay, any last here? thoughts, Kate? Well, all I can say is, is none of this makes any sense to me business wise. It just seems like, like you're like, oh, I've got a li- small business that seems to be making some money in the side of my company, instead of oh, I don't know, um, either contracting it out to somebody else who can make money on it, or just making money on it. I'm going to just not do it and make less money. I, it doesn't it's, math. The money from the comics industry, I just don't think it's that inter- – it doesn't mean that much to AT&T. What's interesting is the IP, is developing IT, well, IP yeah, that can make really money, make real money. So, I mean, I know you – we love comics, so it seems like it's what, what they should do. No. But they don't but really love comics. I know they don't really love comics, but, but I'm, I'm saying that if you're getting – delicious, delicious IP out of it, right, that makes you billions of dollars, and you're getting a small, tidy profit on the side from it, albeit not a large one, why would you bother to rock the boat? I guess we have no answer to that. Nope. Nope. We will find out more because there will be more to come. Yeah, I'll bet there will be. So, all right. So, uh, did we say when, when oh, Wonder Woman is going to be uh, screened December 22nd? I thought it was December 25th. 20, excuse me, 25th. Yeah. And, and it's coming to HBO Max, uh, which this week yeah. announced that it was coming to the Amazon Fire, but not the Roku. Uh, guess who has a Roku, Heidi? It is week <laughs> 36 of Heidi not being able to get HBO Max on her Roku. I don't uh, know. That, while I'm paying for it, by the way, because uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll yeah. watch on my laptop or whatever, but uh, screw you. Screw you, Ro- okay. screw you, HBO Max. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Uh, did, did we mention the other industry changes? I think we did. We I mentioned did. John Nichols. Yes. 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 But, um, I, but there was a few other. There was a few other layoffs as well. Um. Yes. 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 Actually, uh, friend of the show, Ku, uh, Ku Yu uh, Liang, uh, the, the what, the VP of Global Business at Reed Pop. Before that, uh, headed up uh, Diamond Book Distributor. He is leaving the company, and you know, further information to come as yeah. to what his next uh, uh, venture will be. Uh, Ku is a pretty uh, dynamic character, so uh, I'm sure it'll be something interesting to talk about. Yeah. From him yeah, very soon. Yeah, we're not coming out of this pandemic the same. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, and let's see. What else we got here? The launch of Webtoon Studios. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, um, yeah, go ahead, Kate. As per deadline, um, Webtoon, the Korean webcomics platform, uh much beloved by indie comics creators around the world, uh, has announced that they are not just going to be in the digital comics platform business. No, no, no. Now they will have their very own production division, Webtoon Studios. So Webtoon basically is going to be using their own IP and maybe bringing in some IP from outside to do their very own digital media studio. So they kind of want to be, I suppose, um, their own kind of Marvel studios, but for Webtoon. They're one of the, one of the biggest, most popular platforms in the world. We did a bunch of pieces of PW about them oh, a couple of months ago. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that they're... They're setting up some sort of studio thing. I guess it's going to cover everything. Uh, their 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 format uh, or their form of webcomic is very interesting and very different. Um, our friend Dean Haspel is on there, um, uh, but there's a really sort of a, a huge number of manga like properties as well. Yeah. But it's really flourishing. It's really lively. It's it's a new it's a new business model for creating. It seems to be generating. Revenues, so this isn't surprising. What I'm curious yeah. about is what is a studio these days? Is it like one guy on a cell phone and a laptop? Uh, is it a production company? Well, you know what? I think yeah. it's a production company. It's a production, it company. Like a production company. It seems mm-hmm. like you know some of the companies they've teamed with. They've already have deals out there. You know, they already have a deal for Laura Olympus uh, with I believe the Jim Henson Company, which is you know their kind of blockbuster comic. Uh, they have a deal with Crunchyroll. Now they've just announced as part of this announcement. That they're teaming with Vertigo Entertainment. No, not the comic, uh, the company that made it and the Lego movie. Uh, you know, Bound Entertainment, which made Snowpiercer, uh, and Rooster Teeth Studios, which yeah. does Ruby. Yeah. So that, you know, it's yeah. huge. And they have huge, thousands huge. of series. Thousands. Yeah, thousands. Yeah. Well, they have yeah. like millions, like something like 67 million, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. page views a month. I mean, they're huge. They're, they're huge globally. Yeah, 67 million monthly readers. So it's readers. not surprising that all kinds of production houses aren't swarming around them. So they're, they're really making the most obvious choices to be prepared yeah. and, and to so, produce their own content. Yeah, so just to go back, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, this comics IP is yeah. gold, gold, yep. gold. We, go. we are gold. Never give up on your soul. And, you know, you know, it, it wouldn't be shocked <laughs> to 
think that you know you think AT&T is looking at something like webtoons and like why can't DC be more like them? Well, you know, you know, you know, AT&T just ditched Crunchyroll. Remember we talked about that last time. Yeah. They yeah. sold them off. Yeah, they don't what they do not understand, they must shed. <laughs> well, I guess you're right. So, that's where Let's we are, kids. Let's be glad they didn't buy webtoon. Yes. Yes, yeah, they may be trying this, huh? So, that's where are we at, kids? Um, uh, can I jump in and mention a couple of things real quick? Please, yes. Uh, as part of PW's uh, California supplement, um, uh, the dynamic reporter, Bridget Alverson, uh, did a conversation, uh, basically a profile of, of California comics. It's called California Comics uh, Publishers Rising. Go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and you'll see it. And, um, you know, she talks with uh, Jan Jones from um, uh, Legendary Comics, Mark Wade at Humanoid, Blake Kobashigawa at IDW, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, uh, IDW. I mentioned that. Um, Philip Sublick at, at Boom, uh, Fabrice Giger at, uh, at Humanoid also, and Kevin Hamrick at Viz. So, uh, and, and, and really basically bringing people up to date. Some of the stuff we've reported already, uh, both we've done it in PW and talked about it on this show, but each, uh, she really brings together, uh, really significant publishers in California to talk about where they are and how they got through the, through the, the pandemic to this far as sales, marketing, conventions, all the stuff, uh, the comics publisher dealing with these days. So, uh, go check that out and, I also just want to point out this fabulous webcomic uh, that we launched today. It's called Crossroads. Uh, I live where I like. It's really extraordinary. It's done by uh, – uh, You mean we ve- launched it? No, we're publishing an excerpt from the comic. Uh, the, the comic itself, Crossroads, I Live Where I Like by uh, uh, Connie Benson. Uh, it's based on her PhD thesis. She's a South African uh, historian. Uh, it's being published by PM Press in February. Uh, and she uh, teamed up with uh, – they're pretty notable. I've heard about them, but I don't know a lot about them. Uh, a brother cartoonist team, uh, Tron Trail, uh, Andre and Nathan, I believe, and a designer too, A.E. Maurice. Anyway, check it out, publishersweekly.com slash comics. Um, yeah, it's in, uh, like a nine-page excerpt, and it focuses on – Crossroads is a name – of a, a particular uh, uh, settlement, Shantytown in Cape Town. Uh, during the 1970s, since black people in South Africa had no land and no, and basically had to be, you could only live in certain places, they would just set up anywhere. They would just take some land and build a shantytown there. The government would bulldoze their, their homes. This one place called Crossroads, the women of the community just created a settlement and fought it tooth and nail. And this is their story. So anyway, uh, check it out. Uh, the book comes out in February, and it's, uh, I just wanted to point it nice. out. Nice. Really Who's publishing it? PM, PM Press, the nice. uh, kind of uh, left-of-center um, book right. publishing. They do a lot of really great graphic novels and nonfiction graphic novels, too. Um, so. Cool. You know, I have a couple little news notes here that I'd like mm-hmm. to throw in. There. I have you some know. briefs to yes, put in you, at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, Kate, Kate, these are supplementary to your briefs. Um and uh, they're Heidi's briefs, just this one time, because, you know, it's been a rough off four years for us. And uh, so anyway, sometimes the news hasn't been out there. But anyway, I just want to announce some really cool uh, media adaptations that are being made by some books that we really love. Uh, cool. 
uh, Sonny Lou's The Art of Char- Charlie Chan, Hawk Chai. You remember that one? Oh, uh, yes. Right? Of, we love yes. that book. I think it might have, you know, won our, uh, our critics poll or very, very ranked very, really very high. Really a masterpiece. You, oh, it's you a really don't throw that yeah. word around too much, but. Yes, absolutely a masterpiece. It's amazing. A masterpiece. Uh, and about about Singapore mm-hmm. and about its politics, about its society, yeah. all seen through a, a tour de force of art uh, drawn by Lou. Uh, well, it's being adapted into a uh, animated movie by a, oh. a Singapore-based uh, 108 Media. But uh, you know, I'm sure we might see that uh, that movie hopefully all around the world. Uh, I wow, really I hope, hope so. that gets made. That's super cool. Well, and that'll be that'll be helped by the fact that um, one of the national languages of Singapore is English. That's correct. So, cool. uh, yeah, it should make right. a release a little easier. Exactly, exactly. Um, um, you know, wider release when we have movies that we can go to. <laughs> uh, another uh, book we love: uh, "Killing and Dying" by Adrian Tomina. Really? Uh, I didn't know yeah, this. Well, yes, you did see this. I'm saying you did not know this. Yeah. Um, but it's just the story, Killing and Dying, which is the centerpiece of the yeah. book about a father and daughter and a mother yeah. and some really, it's, I think it's Adrian's masterpiece. Um, anyway, uh, French director Jacques Audiard, who, uh, won the Palme d'Or for Deepin, uh, yeah. is super, he's one of France's best known directors. He's oh. making an adaptation of Killing and Dying. Wow. It's filming now. It's called Les Olympiades. And uh, wow. it's said uh, the plot is under wraps. The story is expected to deal with adolescence and revolve around female protag- protagonists. All right, that sounds a little weird, but okay, uh, I'll, I'll take <laughs> okay. it. But yeah, uh, congrats, Adrian. And finally, Leica by Nick Abadzis, another yes. book. Now this was published all the way back in I think 2005. Mm-hmm. But we, another book we love. It's the story of Leica, the first dog in space. Tragic, uh, you know, just want to say, like old Yeller, there is a very sad ending. Uh, Let's put it this way. There's a very special website on the Internet telling you whether this happens in a movie. Yeah, it happens in this comic. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, however, it is being turned into an animated film by Oscar winner Asif Kapadia. He won... An Oscar for Amy, the documentary about Amy Winehouse. Now, Nick, that's yeah. the creator, is working on the screenplay. And here's the interesting thing. It's being made in XR, extended reality, which is said to be an immersive form of filmmaking. So I don't know what that's all about. But uh, you know what? I love all three of those books. I will gladly line up to see the films Monday open, even if it's immersive. <laughs> all right. All right. News briefs. And now. The briefs. A real brief. Well, on a depressing brief turned potentially funny, Proud Boys, that um, far-right racist group, um, decided that they were going to go to the quote-unquote million mega mark in D.C. And for their own announcements, signs, t-shirts, website, the logo they used to tell people to come to the D.C., Million Mega March was in fact the logo, the extensive trademark logo of DC Comics. DC Comics has uh, made it known that they are not amused and that their lawyers are looking into it. So nothing could please me more than (laughs) if the Proud Boys find themselves sued by Warner Brothers, Angry Ipes. The heck with suing them. They should just get, uh, you know, uh, Antifa to go after the Proud Boys. 
I think you will find that an angry IP lawyer is is a yeah. dangerous creature indeed. Get an, an Antifa lawyer. The, you know, <laughs> it, well, why not both? Why not sure, both? Why not? Two why tastes not? that taste great together in uh, news that you might consider to be good news or not, depending on your position on Boruto and Naruto. Um it has been announced that Masashi Kishimoto, the original creator of the series Naruto, is now going to, as of issue 52, um, take over the sequel series, Boruto, um, which has been um, created by entirely different creative teams. After Naruto, which was a long run, extremely long-running series, came to an end, Kishimoto said that he needed to rest. And I guess he's had enough rest because he's back. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> rest, rest. Well, he, goes, hey. he, he thanked uh, Ukiyo Kodachi, who was writing the series with illustrations from Mikio Ikimoto. You know, thank you very much, guys. Okay, I'm taking over. So um, <laughs> that should be interesting. Apparently uh, it, it was... This is, I guess he had this planned all along. I that, don't you know. know. He'd take a break from Naruto and then uh, come back with his Barto. <laughs> well, I mean, it could yeah. very well be he gave permission for there to be a sequel. And then when it was, you know, it started to shape up to something he found interesting or something that made money, he was like, oh, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. He was over, he was over, over editing it, wasn't he? Even though he wasn't, I guess. But he wasn't creating it. He wasn't creating it. Mm-hmm. But. He wasn't actually creating it, but now he yeah. will be as of issue 52. Yeah. Well, so, you know, welcome back, Kishimoto. Yeah, he's a master. And um, speaking of long runners coming to an end, an announcement has now been made that Attack on Titan is 98% finished. <gasps> uh, Hajime Isayama, uh, the creator of Attack on Titan, the manga, has said that he is now 98% finished with the storyline and that the manga should be wrapping up soon. So, we shall see. <laughs> but everyone everyone seems to be, I mean, I've read the article, they, they seem a little concerned that, you know, <laughs> well, anyway, it's just like... Well, let's put it this way. One minute. If, <laughs> if, 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 it, if, if it comes to an ending at this point, it may bode ill for the fates of many of the characters. But, Uh-oh. You know, I mean, well, since when has well, that ever stopped Attack on Titan? The countdown has started because that really everyone's sort of hanging on every word the guy says. And well, five percent, two percent. It's like how, when is it? It's we're close, but how close? So very close. I think it, we can it, just it, take him at his word that it's very close. All right. And on that note, there will be more to come. Mentally uh, play your hold music, guys. Um, Can't I do it? Oh, all right. What is wrong with you two? 